feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Fantastic Christmas with your family and friends and those you love. I definitely did. I had a great one. Had a little bit of eggnog, too, which is not a bad thing. And, boy, you got to do anything to stay warm. It is absolutely freezing outside. But it was lovely to be with friends and family and just have a wonderful, wonderful, relaxing Christmas and just also be with people you care about. And share stories and, you know, talk about old times. And all of that is just so beautiful. And there is no price on that. That is the best gift of all. And I just hope all of you had a beautiful and safe one. And I hope uh, you didn't get stuck in all the craziness with the crazy weather. It's just so tragic to hear about all the deaths that are taking place in upstate New York. Uh, you heard the stories, of course, in Buffalo, the Buffalo area. There are 27 weather-related deaths right now. That is just absolutely tragic. And, of course, Buffalo's already had some bad weather over the years, but this was a soccer. And even right now, there are still so many flights that are canceled all over the country. So wherever you are, please travel safely. If you have to spend another day or two with family, that's not a bad thing Um, because, boy, it is just so brutally, brutally cold outside. And that's why... There has been even more criticism of what happened in the last few days to Kamala Harris. This is really interesting. So Kamala Harris, of course, she stays at the Naval Observatory. That is the vice president's home in Washington, D.C. And Texas Governor Greg Abbott said, you know what? I'm going to send her a little Christmas gift. What would be the perfect gift to give our, quote, border czar Kamala Harris? I can't think of a better one than busloads of illegal migrants coming right to her doorstep. And that's exactly what the governor of Texas did. And I say it's a brilliant move. And every time that this has happened, of course, there's backlash. There are people saying, oh, they're being used as political pawns. The White House says they're being used, you know, for show. Don't do this to the migrants. Yet these are people who crossed the border illegally. And yet they're getting, in many cases, cell phones. We know in New York they're getting hotel rooms at the Watson Hotel, which is like a $400 a night hotel. That's not bad. There are a lot of people that I can think of that would love a free $400 a night you know, hotel room. And I was just seeing a price the other day of how much it's costing every single migrant basically to be processed into this country. There was a price tag. This is amazing. Anywhere from ninety-three to ninety-eight thousand dollars per migrant. That is a stunner. And guess who's paying for it? You and me. And they're just coming and coming and coming. And this is even before Title Forty Two is lifted. Wait till Title Forty Two is lifted. And the question is when? It could happen as early as tomorrow. I mean, this is this is technically the day when it's supposed to be lifted, potentially. But yet the Supreme Court has said that they will probably review it. They're trying to figure it out. The Biden administration is saying, well, we might have an alternative. We may not have an alternative. So far, they have nothing. 
I mean, this is not a surprise. Why is it taking the Biden administration more than five minutes to figure it out that they just got to close the border? First off, you have to admit it's like alcoholism. If you've got a drug problem, you got to admit you got a drug problem. You know, it's like the what is it? The three step program at AAA or whatever. You got to say, hey, I got a problem first before you're ever going to fix it. And guess what's happening? They're not even admitting they have a problem at the border. They're basically saying, no, the border is secure. What are you talking about? As if we're all drunk, you know, like, don't worry about the border. It's looking good. But guess what? When you hear the numbers of the amount of people that have crossed into the border, it's pretty obvious the border is far from secure. The numbers do not lie. And the numbers are overwhelming. And so Governor Abbott and all these other governors are just fed up, especially the Texas governor. Think about if you're Governor Abbott, every single day, how many people are coming and pouring across the border? They have to do something. And when they were shipping the migrants, remember in the summer, they shipped some to Martha's Vineyard. They shipped a whole bunch to New York. They shipped a whole bunch all over the place. And every single time it got tons of headlines. So I actually think it was effective. And guess what? The migrants are crossing the border illegally. So... To me, it's it's just there's something that doesn't make any sense when you're seeing all this public outcry. So what happened here is now we saw Governor Abbott send several busloads of illegal migrants who had just crossed the border illegally. And they came over into Texas and he said, you know what, guess what I'm going to do? I am going to send them up to Kamala Harris's house, basically, in Washington, D.C., And we're going to drop them off there. There have been other buses in the past that have been dropped off there. So he sends a whole bunch of them. And there is this enormous public outcry from the left saying, how dare you do that to the migrants? Like, you know, they shouldn't be out in the cold. They shouldn't be dealing with all these issues. They shouldn't have to deal with these hassles. And, you know, yeah, I don't like the idea of somebody sitting out in the freezing cold. I've been it's really cold outside. But guess what? It's cold all over the country right now. And guess what? They crossed the border illegally. And so we're sitting there saying, well, they what? They don't deserve to get a free bus ride. They don't deserve to get what? A free hotel room. They don't. You know, I mean, where's the problem? I'm I'm trying to make sense of all this from the left going, oh, this is like they're being treated, uh, you know, like uh, like props and that this is disrespectful to the migrants. It's disrespectful to give them these freebies. It's disrespectful to cross the border illegally. I mean, come on. This is so insane. So here's what Congressman Richie Torres of New York had to say. He said, Governor Abbott claims to be a pro-life Christian, yet shows no regard for the lives of children left shivering in the freezing cold on Christmas Eve. Dropping off migrants in 18-degree weather is so cruel that it ought to be criminal. That is from New York Congressman Richie Torres. So the fact that Governor Abbott, who has to deal with millions of them crossing basically into Texas, they're right there on the front lines, as you know, on the Rio Grande, Matamoros and all these other places are right across the river. And so he's getting this like a city's worth every single day, a baseball, football stadium, if you will, almost in many cases coming across every single day. But he's supposed to say, "Okay, I'll take it. And American taxpayers and Texas taxpayers are supposed to cover it. Don't worry about it. And so Richie Torres finally says, oh, well, I have a problem with them being dropped off outside the vice president's house in 18 degree weather. 
I, this is insanity. The Democrats are not complaining about the open border. They're complaining about the migrants. What, maybe we should have given them escargot and champagne when we dropped them off? Did we miss that? Was it supposed to be room service on the bus? Was it supposed to be like, you know, satin sheets? I mean, this is just the definition of insanity at a time where we just can't handle it price-wise. I mean, 93 to 98,000 per migrant is what it's costing you and me. Don't you think there's a little bit of a problem here? To me, this is just the definition of insanity. And to see the Democrats and to see the White House just making excuse after excuse after excuse and no solution to fix the border when it is clear as day that this is not a new problem. This is a problem that they created because under President Trump, it was doing fine. It was actually doing very well. They had a border wall. They had to remain in Mexico. They had all these issues. And guess what? They changed the policies. And so far, they are doing nothing to change the path of Title 42 and about to be lifted, which could potentially double or triple the numbers coming through. So, and they're complaining about a couple busloads being dropped off at Kamala Harris's house. That is pathetic. What a hypocritic bunch of guys and gals. one 800 Eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 is the number to call. And I say bravo to Governor Abbott. I think it's a brilliant move. I think he should keep doing it. I think the fact that he's gotten so many headlines for dropping it off means it's effective. Because guess what? If Kamala Harris isn't going to go to the border or even admit that it's an open border. He might as well just ship them all. I think he should keep shipping them. I actually think he shouldn't just do a few, you know, two or three busloads. He should just make it like a whole convoy coming up every single day. And maybe then she would finally make the time to go to the border. Maybe Biden would make the time to go to the border. I mean, this is just outrageous. And we American taxpayers are, in the meantime, footing all the bills. Here is Tatiana Laborde, and she is a managing official with SAMU First Response. This is one of the groups that is helping the migrants, and this is how she explains sort of the the shipping of the migrants. Take a listen. Well, there's two ways to look at it, right? The way they're doing it is extremely inhumane, but it is a service to the migrants. A lot of them don't want to stay in Texas a large majority keep wanting to go up north. So this gets them closer and it, it gets them away from places that have very little connectivity into metropolitan areas where taking a bus is much easier or a train or a, a plane. So if it's done correctly, uh, it could really help ease the tensions at the border. That's interesting. She's like, maybe it will help. I mean, that's a group that is dealing with the response there. So that's pretty fascinating that she's open to the idea of busing. It's not like automatically, oh, it's a bad thing, like the White House and every single Democrat is saying. Here's a little bit more on that journey uh, on the way to the vice president's house, which I say, bravo, bravo, bravo. So the the journey on, on bus is extremely long. They get not the best food. They get uh, meals ready to eat, military food. So they are exhausted when they come here. They're also... Now, because of winter, experiencing very, very different uh, temperatures that they're used to. So it's a first shock of what's coming ahead in the winter. But at the end of the day, what we see on them is is that hope that they are, that they've made it to where they really want to be and they're able to provide their family uh, a better future. 
And listen, I never begrudge the migrants. I actually think America, as I've said, is the greatest country in the world. And if I live somewhere outside America, especially if I lived in some of these countries in Central America and, you know, in South America, Mexico, I would certainly be trying to come to America, too. It's a great place. But you also have to do it legally. And guess what? Our government has to be vetting it to protect American citizens. You've got to be checking people coming through. You've got to be vetting them. They weren't doing it during COVID. And now you're not vetting them even with criminal records. And so there are so many issues right here that it is just so outrageous. And yet they're saying we're not giving the migrants enough, according to Democrats. Those meals ready to eat. By the way, I've had them in war zones. Some of them are not so bad. And I bet you it's better than some of the food that they had in their homeland. I would love to be able to give everybody escargot and lobster and champagne. I would absolutely be thrilled to. But guess what? We can't afford it. And in this freezing weather, I've seen a whole bunch of homeless people in the last few hours. That actually breaks my heart to see Americans out there that are freezing tonight. And I'm sorry. I'm more worried about them than these illegal migrants. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line two. BJ, your thoughts about all this? Well, God bless us, everyone, as Charles Dickens said. However, you know, if you're looking for people to blame, if you really want to point a finger at blame, blame uh, the person who was charged with securing the border and finding an, uh, a solution or at least making a path to a solution for people who want to come to this country illegally and have no respect for our borders. And that would be our vice president. So um, Abbott is just doing what he's been elected to do by the state of Texas to pr- uh, to, pr- to protect Texas from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to uphold its constitution and to serve the people. And this is how he sought to do it, by protecting his border and taking care of his own poor and his own needy and and keeping his own house in order. He doesn't have anything for these people in truth and in fact. You know, the blue states have all of the federal funding. They have all of these social programs. And you watch this mayor who welcomes people with open arms to these blue states, our mayor, uh, to New York City. And he seems to think there's a never-ending supply of largesse. So why wouldn't anyone want to come here when the land is uh, the, the 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 roads are paved with gold, or so they're told, and the you know the street it's the land of milk and honey. But really, to shame other governors and to have this uh, Richie Torres, this is laughable even. You know, you have uh, a Democrat party that hands out the money like it's going out of style all over the place and welcoming uh, uh, people who have who come to this country with just from the jump. They, they have no problem breaking the laws of another country to get into it. But we're supposed to it, it, we're supposed to just say, oh, sure, come on our streets. We have no place to help you to assimilate. Come into the schools, come into the hospitals, come into everywhere. And and that's really fair treatment to the people that live here that have been paying taxes. And uh, you, we can't even keep the place safe. We can't even take care of our own homeless. We can't. We have veterans that die every month, homeless veterans from suicide. And we're shamed into thinking that this is the way to go. I'm sorry. I can't buy it. 
I really wish the vice president would stop pointing a finger and find a, a viable solution to protect our country. Yeah. And by the way, she just did, um, BJ, that interview It was like on NPR recently. And again, she doubled down, like blaming, oh, well, the Republicans don't have a plan and the border's secured. She literally looked into the camera and said the border's secure. It was like, boy, she did it with a straight face. I was like, she should do stand up comedy. Because she would like, she could really have that deadpan face on something that was a bold face lie. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Who do you blame? What do you make of the left? And BJ and I were just talking about Richie Torres, Congressman Richie Torres, basically saying how outrageous that it's almost criminal. It ought to be criminal, the fact that Governor Abbott of Texas dropped busloads of illegal migrants who had just crossed the border, flooding into Texas, and left them in front of the vice president's house. He's not upset about the border. He's upset about them being bussed by the Texas governor. Boy, are his priorities out of whack. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Christmas, how appropriate to be playing foreigner as we're talking about the border, uh, because, boy, they are flooding across the border illegally. And BJ, who just called in, was talking about the cost, how much it is costing each and every one of us. And yet there are so many homeless veterans. There are so many Americans, uh, especially with these frigid temperatures, that are sleeping on the streets. Not a lot of room in shelters. Many of them are overrun. And yet a lot of them are being overrun by the migrants, too, as well. And yet Americans are picking up the tab for them. It seems like liberal mayors are going out of their way to make sure that they are, you know, getting all the comforts of home. Remember when, you know, the tent city was set up in New York? Well, not a lot of came. There were a lot of problems, whatever the case was. And then they decided, well, you know what? Um, We'll just put them up in this elegant four-store, you know, like beautiful hotel where you can do room service. They have actually a pool there. It was like pretty nice living. I want to be a migrant. You know, that's a pretty good way to go in New York City. But what's happening is the cities right now are picking up the tab in many cases. And Governor Greg Abbott says Texas is bursting through the seams. Listen to what he says about what's going on in the border. And remember, Title 42 hasn't even been lifted yet. This is Governor Abbott yesterday. They've handled the border crisis and created the border crisis in the exact same way that they were responsible for creating the crisis in Afghanistan. Completely unprepared, complete disaster. And Texas is left to pick up the pieces of the disaster caused by the Biden administration. So he compares the chaos at the border to the Afghan withdrawal. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. What are your thoughts, everybody? one 800 848 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Norm. Line six. Norm, your thoughts. Uh, first of all, and Merry Christmas, Rita. Thank you. You too, my friend. You too. I hope <laughs> you had welcome. a great one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, to Councilman Torres, I believe he's a councilman. Um, please don't be upset with Governor Abbott for dealing with his overtaxed resources. 
by moving the migrants to the blue states, rather be upset with President Biden and his administration that refuses to engage in dialogues with the leaders of these countries where these people are fleeing from. Yeah, that's a great point, because they don't even spend the time going over there. That was the one thing, you know, that Trump said. And remember, even when he was campaigning, Norm, Trump came out and said, you know what, Uh, we're going to ask Mexico to pay for the wall. Obviously, that was not necessarily happening, but he was talking about it basically with tariffs and other things that there were ways to do it. But at least I like the idea of him saying, you got to pick up some of the tab. And there's a famous sort of discussion that happened with Trump and the president of Mexico where he basically said, you know what, it's your responsibility to take care of people on the other side of the border. And if you're not going to do it, well, we're going to do X, X and X to you. He was using leverage. And guess what? Suddenly there were like 15,000 federales on the other side of the border, making sure that at least they weren't sort of seeping through. There at least was some, you know, countermeasure there. But it's because they saw a president of America who cared about the border and cared about security in their country. And guess what? They ain't seeing that now. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a very powerful reminder of how dangerous Every single call is for our men and women in blue. And a very sad story, of course, uh, on Christmas weekend, you know, to be able to talk about what happened. This is coming from Okaloosa County, Florida, and a Florida sheriff's deputy was fatally wounded on Christmas Eve when a domestic violence suspect opened fire on responding deputies from inside his residence. Uh, five-year Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office veteran Corporal Ray Hamilton, who's a member of that department's special response team, uh, succumbed to the shooting injury just after 3 p.m. on December 24th. How sad is that on Christmas Eve? The suspect, a 43-year-old man, was hit with return fire from deputies, sustaining a non-life-threatening injury to the arm. Now, deputies have been called to the residence in reference to a report of a domestic violence battery. The victim reported that the suspect had slapped her in the face, had shoved her during an argument the night before, and even took away her phone so she couldn't call 911 for help. And when deputies went to the scene to make contact with the suspect, he refused to come out of the residence. So the special response team was called in and the suspect continued to be refusing to leave the home and then suddenly shot outside of a window, striking Corporal Hamilton. The sheriff of Okaloosa County, Florida, said, quote, we are devastated by the grief of losing Corporal Hamilton a deputy who is a ray of sunshine, beloved by the department, dedicated to protecting others. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and always with all the men and women in blue who have such a difficult and tough job every single day. Well, things may get even crazier at the border, that's for sure, if they can get any crazier. Um, They are also, by the way, it just came out a few hours ago, In El Paso, Texas, 
Um, this is sort of in the middle of uh, the West Texas desert, if you will. A giant tent is being set up. Remember, Eric Adams set up the tent in New York. It only lasted a little bit. First, it was in one location, remember? Then they moved it to the other location, costing taxpayers like, you know, six figures, at least even just for the move. And then they realized, well, it's not such a good idea. We need to treat them better. We need to put them in a beautiful, you know, four-star hotel, essentially, in New York. And that's what they have done. But El Paso is being so overrun that literally when they are coming into El Paso, they're like dropping them off at the bus station or they're putting them on a bus somewhere else or they're bringing them to the airport. They're like putting them all over the place because shelters are being overrun. Everything is being overrun. It is such a dangerous and chaotic situation and an overwhelming situation. And so word just came out a little bit ago that they have set up a giant tent, which is said to be bigger than a football field. That is pretty wild. Think about the size of that tent. Bigger than a football field. That is one big old tent. And it is being thrown up by the U.S. Border Patrol in El Paso as it is right now preparing for what they really think is going to be a tidal wave of migrants crossing the border from Mexico as soon as Title 42, that health policy, comes to an end. Uh, this is an enormous tent but they say they need to do something because it is absolutely overwhelming already. And they needed to do something to make up for it. Can you imagine? I wonder if they'll let people in the tent. I wonder if they'll let reporters in the tent to be able to see it. Because remember when sometimes those tents have been set up in the past. Oh, no, no, no. We can't really send anybody in. The tent in New York, remember when Eric Adams set up the tent? Remember he they had Xboxes and they had cell phones and they had all this stuff. And you're like, ah. Uh, that seems like an awfully luxurious tent. So I wonder what this tent in El Paso is going to have. And I wonder if this administration is finally just going to get a clue that maybe it would make a lot more sense to just close the border, have better security on both sides of the border, as President Trump did, vet people. Then once they are approved, then and they've gone through the process and it's all, you know, above board and everything else then slowly allow people to come into the country. But to open this kind of a floodgates right now, El Paso is freaking out. And El Paso is just one of many, many towns across the border that is about to be overrun. They're getting more migrants than the population of El Paso. I mean, how can you handle it when 15,000 people are crossing almost on any given day, potentially, once Title 42 is lifted? That is an enormous amount. And by the way, this is just over the weekend. This is the holiday weekend, the three-day holiday weekend. Uh, they had 16,000 migrants cross the border, our border, into America, 16,000 in just a three-day weekend. And if you think that even with Title 42 right now in place, they're only expelling of that group, they expelled 2,000, 2,100 of them. So they had 16,476 encounters. They expelled 2,000. Guess what happened to the other 14,000? They're in America. And in November, the highest number in a November in history, 233,000 migrant encounters, all of them crossing the border illegally in one single month, and it is about to get worse. This is really frightening. I am so concerned of what it's going to look like. And sadly, those people who are dealing with the border every single day, like Brandon Judd, 
He's head of the uh, Border Patrol Union. He represents all of the Border Patrol agents. He just sees this administration just surrendering and wanting these people to clearly come in and doing nothing to change it. Take a listen. Here is Brandon Judd and what he has to say about this administration. I just don't see any solution right now. I don't see that there's the political will that exists to, to um, have Democrats and Republicans come together. When you when you look at this, it's constantly Democrats that are saying that, that they're not going to do what's necessary to give us the measures um, to, to put the proper policies in place to stop this. Again, we, we, got, we have to look at, is this about the safety and security of the American people or is this about politics? Is this about the safety and security of the immigrants that are actually dying when they enter the deserts of Arizona or or, or across the river, um, you know, into Texas. Um, again, it clearly shows that they do not care about life. It clearly shows that they don't care about the American people. And it shows they don't care about the truth either, because Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is the White House press secretary, take a listen. I couldn't believe she said this just recently, where she was asked about, okay, what's going to happen with the border with Title 42? And she repeated again that the border isn't open. Take a listen. I want to be very clear here. Uh, The fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, Anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers who, again, are spreading misinformation and which are which is very dangerous. So if you say that the border is open, which is an obvious fact, if you say the truth, then you're helping the drug smugglers. That's what she says. Like, in other words, shame on you for revealing the truth. You're working with the cartels. No, you're working with the American people, which is what you're not doing. And this is what the White House put out about Governor Abbott shipping now these migrants, a couple busloads to Kamala Harris on Christmas Eve. Uh, the White House put out a statement saying, Governor Abbott abandoned children on the side of the road in below freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve without coordinating with any federal or local authorities. And they further said this was a cruel, dangerous, and shameful stunt. So Abbott trying to draw attention to the problem when his state is basically bearing almost the full brunt of what's happening across our border is doing a shameful, dangerous, cruel stunt by shipping migrants in a nice bus up to Washington, D.C., where they will be well taken care of. That's cruel. That's shameful. I think it is utterly shameful that this White House is in such denial and trying to, like, point the finger in other directions when they themselves need to look in the mirror. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom, line three in Minnesota. Dom, Merry Christmas to my friend. Yes, Merry Christmas, Rita. I hope it was a great one. It Um, was. And now it's even better now that I'm talking to you, Dom. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it because the feeling is mutual. Uh, I can't believe that we're so horribly mistreating or legally challenged immigrants. That's a new name for them, no? legally challenged immigrants, by busing them into luxury buses to locations in some of our best cities and offering them a measly MRE, which is supposedly the worst diet our men and women in uniform are forced to consume, for doing nothing more than freezing in the cold and burning up in the sun just to protect a worthless country like the U.S. of A. I mean, I, I, I guess you can sense the sarcasm. I'm I can it in sense there. it. And, you know, you bring up, by the way, you bring up a great point about the MREs, the meals ready to eat. 
Um, and I've had, I've had a whole bunch of them when I've been in war zones or places where, you know, you know, catastrophe or things were going on. Um, and the fact that just like you said, they're good enough for our military. Um, that's what our military eats constantly when they're away from, you know, locations or in difficult spots. When I was in Kosovo, um, I remember we had a lot of those meals ready to eat and that's all the troops could have there because there was like no restaurant. It was, wartime there was nothing going on um in terms of them being able to eat anything uh you know of anything that would remind them of home so they could only do that where you just put a little water in and then suddenly it self heats up and but it's good enough for our military so so in other words what the migrants deserve better food than our military like like that they're complaining they never you don't you don't ever really hear Anybody, where are the Democrats complaining about giving the meals ready to eat for our military? I've never heard them, you know, saying, God, they deserve a, a hotel and a lobster and a champagne and all that other stuff and free phones and Xboxes. What about them saying that to our military as opposed to complaining that the migrants are eating what our military is eating? I mean, and I heard you, you know, Dom, I believe firmly I've been to some of those, you know, locations where a lot of these people have been fleeing. I've been to Mexico. I've been to, you know, locations in Central and South America. They're horrible conditions. So I bet you some of the MREs are much better than what they're getting at home. But it's not good enough for them, but it's good enough for our military. That is a shameful discussion, don't you think, Tom? Yeah, actually, I've had those MREs because I had an army man standing across from our house in Wisconsin. And he treated me to some of those many years ago. They're not bad, actually. It's better than my cooking. Yeah, but and by the way, Dom, I'm a terrible cook too, and I would uh-huh. I would eat MREs over my own cooking any day of the week. But go ahead, I agree with you. Yeah, last point. Last point I want to make. Greg Ivor should be really ashamed of himself to want to give them a ride to the front door of Mother Teresa Harris. You know, <laughs> she's the one person that can make that call to decide. You know, do something about it. And he should be ashamed of himself. Greg, Greg Abbott should be. <laughs> yeah, how dare he, right? I mean, yeah. is, you know, isn't that amazing that the White House has the audacity to say, how dare you ship the migrants? Um, and yet they are offering no solution to close the border. I mean, the, the hypocrisy is so rife. Dom, I love you. Thank you. It's great to talk with you. Let's go to Phil, uh, line one, in the Bronx. Uh, Phil, I hope you had a great Christmas. Yes, I hope yours is equally as good. It and, is, uh, it is, and it's great to talk to you, my friend. What do you think about all this that's going on now, especially that they're building a tent city? It just came out a little bit ago in El Paso, the size of a football field, Phil. Well, I, I'm, I hate to say this as a vet. I'm thoroughly ashamed of my country. I am absolutely ashamed of the United States of America and its government to and, allow. And why is allow, that? hundreds of thousands of people illegally, who many of whom who, who have problems and criminal records and, and other such things. Why do you, why, why is this going on? Why is it going on? Very simple. The problem is, there's two problems, very simple. The first problem is Mexico. If you go down to Chalupa, the Chalupa district down, all the way down at the southern tip of Mexico, there is no border. You just walk. You just walk over a few rocks, walk over uh, a few swamps, and you're you're in Mexico. And the only thing there, instead of barbed wire and walls, they've got guys with machine guns. And right off the bat, when you go through that border area in the south of Mexico, you've got to make a deal with somebody. Otherwise, you're not going to make it up north. Okay? 
So if you agree to do what they want you to do, and you know who I mean by you know who, you get on a bus and you ride, you ride about 150, 300 miles up, then you're on foot. You're on foot, you hit the, you hit the Texas-Mexico border. The point of it is Abbott is sending thousands of people to other cities in the country. Okay, they're, red, they're not red cities. They're blue cities. Okay, Washington, D.C., Chicago, what have you. But New York. But the problem is, why? Why should my, my family and myself and my neighbors and my loved ones be exposed to these people? You come to the Bronx. In the, in, in the north and central Bronx, all you see are these people wandering around. They're, they're selling clothes they got out of the garbage. They're eating out of the garbage. They're, 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 they're selling fruit that they stole from the food store. I mean, these, these people don't even speak even Spanish. My wife speaks Spanish, and she tried she try to talk to them. They, they're speaking Mayan or Aztec or something. It, it, it's incredible. Why, why, why don't they shut the southern border of Mexico and end the problem, period. Yeah, and by the way, it's a, it's a very easy solution, Phil, too, which you clearly recognize because it's actually not that hard. Sometimes you look at problems, you go, oh, gosh, how do we fix this? Guess what? It was pretty easy, and it was actually working. That's the thing that's amazing to me, Phil, is that Biden basically got it served up on a, on a you know, silver plate. Basically, we got a formula. It's working. Uh, the border was quite secure under President Trump. Um, he had to remain in Mexico. He was playing hardcore with with the Mexican government saying, you know, don't make it so porous. Don't send, you know, everybody over here. You got to do a better job. They started to do a better job, too. I mean, there were so many of these issues that were really it was working. It was actually a pretty well-oiled machine. So all Biden had to do was just kind of keep happening. He didn't have to reinvent the wheel. He just had to keep allowing what was going on. And instead, two things. One, he doesn't like Trump. So anything that had a Trump name on it was like, forget that. The wall, forget that. This, forget that. That, forget that. And two, just to your point, he clearly has a philosophy that he wants all these people to cross our border. It, there's there's no way around it. It's so obvious what is happening. And he's going to suddenly say, hey, one day I want to have uh, 10 million people. I'm going to give them amnesty. And then next Tuesday, let's give another 10. You know, I mean, it's like uh, that's what he's hoping and that maybe Americans wouldn't notice that suddenly they're all citizens and they're all because why else would you absolutely allow all this to happen? There's no other explanation. And it is downright irresponsible. And just like you said, it is it's shocking. I never thought. And my lifetime, and I've been down to the border. I've covered the border. I've talked to you guys about seeing the drug cartels and the whole deal. It was it's scary, and it's not even as bad as it is now. Uh, it's I mean it's much worse now than it was when I was down there at the border, and it was scary as heck even then. And yet now it is like a big, huge, leaky sieve, and it's about to probably get a lot worse. And I never thought I would see an American president that just said, "Come on in," and didn't want to do anything to stop it. And, and wants us all to think like we don't see what we see with our own two eyes. It is, it is astounding. You would expect that from, uh, like a foreign leader who wants to do harm on our country, not our own American president who is allowing this to happen and purposely. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show.
We are talking about the border. And as I was just mentioning, all President Biden had to do was just keep what was working under President Trump. Listen to Senator Ron Johnson talk about that because it was clear as day. When they say that they inherited a broken system, what the, we pretty well control, we pretty well had control over the border under the previous administration. What they're saying is broken is the previous administration just wasn't as efficient at processing and dispersing millions of people. That's what they become efficient at. And that is a national and homeland security risk to this country. And what a risk it is. Listen to Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, saying basically what he thinks uh, is in the works. And this is the repercussions of an open border. Look, the Biden administration, I, from what I can tell, nothing is protecting us. They're, they're encouraging the cartels to bring as many people as fast as possible. And they've, they've knocked down all the laws. They've you know, basically put them to the side. The ones that Trump was enforcing, whether it's Remain in Mexico, Title 42, Catch and Release, Building a Wall, they've discarded all of that. And now the consequences are going to come, not just with higher crime, but higher risk of terrorism. And at some point, it's, it's not unlikely that we're going to have an impact as it relates to terrorists coming across our border, it's too easy to get across, and we're encouraging it. How scary is that? And already they have caught about 100 people on the terror watch list, and you've got to be a pretty bad person to be on that terror watch list. And don't you think that there are even many, many more coming through uh, that we don't know about? These are just the numbers we know about. Usually the gotaways are like about a third to two-thirds of the amount. So people estimate that we've probably had about 5.5 million. And Kevin McCarthy was saying under this policy that we're seeing with Title 42 lifted under this president the next two years, 13 million may cross our borders just in the next two years. Think about that. 13 million. That is a voluminous amount. And that means there's a lot of bad people that are probably slipping through. Let's go to Al. Uh, line seven, Al, your thoughts about this, uh, just how risky it is for America. Yeah, uh, Rita, happy holidays to you. Thank you. You too, Al, you too. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what uh, Phil from the Bronx said. You know, I do believe that uh, in regards to some of these countries where the migrants are coming from, I do believe they have criminal records <clears throat> and leaders like Daniel Ortega, who for me is a bad person. Uh, he's been around uh, going back over 30 years with the uh, Nicaragua. Sandinista. Yeah, Sandinistas yep. when they fought the uh, Contras. So I think it's similar with a leader like him sending uh, the bad people over the border here. Uh, we saw that happen in the late 70s with Castro when he would send the people uh, to Florida from Cuba. And uh, it was a mess for then-President Jimmy Carter. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a great point because you're right. It's like all of these, you know, the ones that are being let through. I mean, I'm sure there's some good people with good intentions that just want to come for a better life. But our responsibility is to make sure that our border is safe. Um, you know, even if it's good folks, they should be vetted. They got to be checked. Uh, you got to make sure there's no major, major health issue, no criminal record. They're just not able to do it. If you talk to any border agent, he says it's impossible. There's no way. We're going to continue talking about this after the break. And we're also going to talk about the revolving door of crime because a career criminal with more than 20 arrests gets finally put behind bars after a slashing 
spree in New York. Boy, is our justice system crazy. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. did not take a holiday over the Christmas weekend. And there was a slashing spree that took place in New York City. And just a a beloved doctor uh, who was known by many people was stabbed brutally to death just in this random slashing. Another guy, too, as well. And guess what? No surprise. Turns out the guy's a career criminal had more than 20 arrests, according to a number of reports. This guy clearly has a mental problem. He ran into the doctor in the park, um, ran into another guy outside a bar, started, like, having a verbal altercation, like, provoking it, and within a few seconds suddenly slashed these two individuals, killing them. And then when you look at the guy's background, it's like over and over again. And I am just so sick of these repeat offenders that are continuing to wreak havoc on great American cities like New York. Here's a little bit of the background of this suspect and what he did uh, from the NYPD chief of detectives. Further investigation revealed that this person was involved in a violent spree beginning December 19th and ending December 23rd. And then it continued. Let me play cut number seven. Here's a little bit more detail. All suffered non-life-threatening injuries. During the investigation, it was determined that the perpetrator had a previous dispute in a bar approximately a week ago because he felt disrespected by the employees. So he felt disrespected and comes back and has it out with the bartender and then two people who were trying to stop it. By the way, who were trying to protect the bartender. They got stabbed by the guy. The guy was just like randomly stabbing people left and right. And it turns out this guy was a violent ex-con. And listen, New York City Mayor Eric Adams has said he wants to focus on career criminals. Sounds really good. But when is he finally going to put pressure on people like Alvin Bragg? Because unless you take it to the DA and say these people need to be locked up when there are offenses, because guess what? The writing was on the wall. If you look at the background of this guy, it's like clearly he's a violent guy. He had battery charges. He had a whole bunch of other stuff. Clearly he had a violent history. And you wonder why was he even walking free? This guy is a monster, and I'm so glad that they caught this guy. But now it's after two other people were killed by him. So Eric Adams says he wants to focus on career criminals. So the big question is, he can talk the talk, but is he going to be able to put some pressure finally on the D.A.? And change the system, because unless you go after these career criminals, these serial offenders, but you also make sure that they physically have to be locked up and it's not just words, then it's an empty promise to the people of New York. So we're going to talk about that later on in the show, because it is just so heartbreaking. Here it is a holiday weekend and all because some crazy guy with a rap sheet a mile long 
uh, are there now two people, including a beloved New York doctor who just happened to be in a park at the wrong time, and this guy just came upon him. And within, they believe, from the surveillance footage, within a few seconds after trying to have a verbal altercation, like provoking it with some a doctor who just happened to be in the area, within about 20 seconds, they said they believe that he slashed the doctor and killed him. I mean, what a heartbreaking story. And this guy never, ever should have been out. It's a pediatrician. He was found dead in the park uh, with his throat slashed and stabbed multiple times by this guy. So when are we going to finally say enough? I am hoping that in the new year there will be a new crackdown on these violent criminals. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, we are talking about our U.S. southern border and just how dangerous the situation is. On Friday night, in the middle, like, you know, here it is. They know they're going into a holiday weekend. So, of course, they were, like, trying to bury the numbers. That's when they released these historic numbers for the amount of encounters that crossed the numbers of migrants that illegally crossed into our country in November. It's the highest November on record, 233,740. And it's up 30% from last year, which was a historic high before that. So Biden keeps breaking the record books, and they're not records that any of us, I think, should be proud of. Things are so bad, by the way. Dick Durbin, this astounded me. Dick Durbin, Democrat Dick Durbin, who's usually, like, very, he's very close to Biden. They've been longtime friends for years. He usually, like, is pretty much towing the line. Things are so bad at the border that now even Dick Durbin is saying it's a security, security and humanitarian nightmare And it's about to get a lot worse. That's the way he describes the border. You know it's bad when Dick Durbin is sounding the alarm bells. But Joe Biden, nope, he's not saying anything. We don't even know if Title 42 could potentially be lifted in the next day or two. There's no apparent Democratic alternative plan uh, for the floodgates to get even worse. He doesn't seem to care. He's not going to the border. There's no border trip. He's going to uh, St. Croix which is awfully nice place. I'd love to be in St. Croix. That's where he's going on a holiday. Maybe he can take some of the migrants with him and treat them. Seems to be wanting to, wants all of us to treat for them. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry. Uh, line five. Larry, your thoughts about what's happening at our border and the fact that it's so bad now that El Paso is setting up a brand new tent, a massive tent that is the size of a football field, they say, because they know it's going to get so bad. It's already terrible there, but it's going to get a lot worse there. Okay. Rhea, if they would set up the tent and leave the people there to be processed, that's one thing. But the tent is just a, pre- a temporary pretext, and they're going to be spread out all over the United States. Now, it's time to change the dial. I don't mean to be critical of you and everybody else, but... You have you can't use adjectives like uh, whatever it is. You can't use words like irresponsible when 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 it's obviously calculated. You see, this is an open border, okay? Despite what that bloodless Kentucky doll in the White House says, this is an open border. If you remember when Beto O'Rourke ran for president, he came right out of the open and advocated an open border. So are you going to say that he's he's far to the left of this administration? 
Absolutely not, because who's the one that's pulling the strings in this administration is, is on the same page as Beto O'Rourke, namely Barack Obama, who was an admirer of Beto O'Rourke. So this is an open border, and it's being lied about. Now, as far as, inf- as, far as this being an enforcement of the immigration laws, this is not – this is a, a subversion of the immigration laws. You see, asylum cases are usually – um, I usually process on a on a person to person basis. When there's a, when there's a mass migration that and and the, and it's an asylum situation that is precipitated by a political event. There's no political events in South America. This is just a population exchange. Yeah, that's a exactly what it is. Population invasion. Yes. An invasion. No, you know what? You bring up a fantastic point because you're right. I, I like how you just said it's a, what did you just say? It's a population exchange, right? And it's not even an exchange, by the way, Larry, because we're not sending two million to Mexico. You know what I mean? It's a one way exchange. That's, it's like a, it's a delivery system. And you know what's so outrageous is Eric Adams wants a billion dollars from the federal government. At first, when the migrants came to New York, he was like, oh, we can't handle it. And I thought, okay, well, maybe Eric Adams maybe will be the Democrat who's going to speak out and say, you know, uh, no more. We've got to close the border. We've got no, no, no. He came out and said, we need money to process them so we can take care of them here in New York. Um, so he's not sending them back. And guess what? Uh, Muriel Bowser, same thing in D.C. when she was asking for money. She was asking for money so she could process them. And you know what's disgusting, Larry? There's this new omnibus bill. Remember, this is this voluminous omnibus bill uh, that just, uh, you know, is about to be signed by the president at any moment. And this is the thing that everybody said, boy, is this filled with pork. It's $1.7 trillion with a T, Larry. And there is a lot of money in there for borders. So everybody thought, oh, good. Does that mean that they're going to be using uh, money for security. Maybe they're going to close the border. Maybe they're going to do a few of those things. No, no, no. The money that's allocated in that $1.7 trillion, Larry, is for processing. It's basically solely for processing. There's nothing there for border enforcement. Isn't that astounding? And guess what's in that bill? There's there's money for a park for Kamala Harris. Uh, there's money for, like, uh, all these buildings to be named after politicians and opening ceremonies, ribbon cuttings. And yet they're not spending any money. I mean, it's almost like I, I almost feel like I'm living in, like, an alternate universe. There's no money in there for more security at the border or to send them back. It's only to facilitate so we can hurt. Like, in other words, that exchange you just talked about, it's like even more rapid fire. Like, we want to hurry up and get even more in. I mean, I mean, it's it's almost like the definition of insanity, Larry. What's what are your thoughts, Larry? What's your reaction? Well, basically, what I I can't believe that Republicans signed on to something that's funneling money to subvert the laws of the United States. Of course, the, the processing of these this is a non this is non asylum cases. This is just mass migration. So to funnel money in that is to give money to subvert the laws. Of the United States, I can't believe Republicans would sign on to something like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And a lot of the ones in the House were very upset with the Senate because the Senate basically sailed it through. And I think, you know, all the Republicans, shame on the ones that did vote it through. What they should have said was, we're going to do a temporary Band-Aid so the government doesn't close down. It's called a continuing resolution. They could have done it. They easily, they've done it all the time. They should have just waited, bought time. Till the House goes into Republican hands on January 3rd. 
and then they hold the purse strings. Like, like, like they didn't have to cave. They had a Hail Mary coming up on January 3rd. I mean, what a, like, what a bunch of cowards. I, I agree with you, Larry. Uh, it is outrageous that a number of these Republicans allowed that to go through without even border security or, or even all this, all this other nonsense pork at a time right now where money could be used on so many other things. People had a tough Christmas. And things were so much more expensive at the, you know, the Christmas table and buying food for the family, all that stuff. People cutting back on gifts. And yet, you know, we're, they're spending all this money to process more migrants to come through and, uh, name a bridge after a friend or do a favor to another friend. It is, it's despicable. Larry, thank you very much. Let's go to Bob, line four. Bob, your thoughts about all this. Hey, Bob, are you there? Bob, call us back, and we can't hear you. Go ahead. Uh, let's go to let's go to Stan. Line one, Stan. Your thoughts about all this? I'm glad you brought up the budget. I'm glad you brought it up because you haven't been talking about. It. You're talking about what's not important. I'll tell you what is important in this budget. All that right, Larry doesn't let's know, hear. and you don't talk about. It. Let's hear First it, Stan. All, number one, eight hundred and fifty-eight billion for military spending. That's necessary. Yeah, no, no, no. There's some. Wait I didn't a minute. Say, hang no, on. Just wait. A minute. Hold on, Stan. Hold on, Stan, Stan, Stan. Hold on. I don't want you to get all heated up after Christmas. I wanted to stay kind of nice and cool for you, okay? But they did have some important things in there, and that's why. Guess what? That's part of the reason that the Republicans, some of them, did vote it. But they still could have done a continuing resolution. There's a lot of. It's called pork. It's like, you know, hogwash things that are in there that you don't have to spend money for. Apart from Michelle Obama, I'm sorry, it's not my priority right now. I actually would love to see people being able to, like, you know, help uh, our, you know, poor and and homeless. And that, to me, is much more where the money needs to be spent. So there's, there's ways to get around it. But go ahead, Stan. This is what they do. They put important things in, and then they put all this, like, hogwash in there and say, don't you want to pass it? Because if you don't, we're going to go around saying you didn't want to fund the military. Well, there's, there's a way to do a Band-Aid, and the Republicans caved. But go ahead. $45 billion for Ukraine. Of course, the Republicans want to know where the money's going. We know where it's been going for the last six months. All of a sudden, they're interested in that. Number two. Change, and the most, one of the most important changes, changes to the 1887 Electoral Count Act, which would make it extremely harder to block the certification of a presidential election. And that is one of the most important things. That would stop a Trump or anybody other criminal who wants to challenge the election. Wait, wait, wait. What, what do you mean that Trump's a criminal? He hasn't been charged with a crime. Go ahead. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Charges, to, anyway, would make it harder to block uh, and, and it wouldn't be political charges by any means right no, Stan? No, no, it would no. be criminal it would be criminal the other thing is the expansion of course as a veteran you know you talk veterans affairs uh expansion of the veterans health care benefits the the uh pact act you know which the one with the fire things and so forth yep. which is absolutely necessary also stuff on crime as well on firearms legislation which was uh, passed, background checks for minors and so forth who do it. But even more important, we in the East, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, we pay five or six times the money that eight or nine other states do in taxes. You know we pay more. Oh, absolutely. So we're getting it back, and we deserve it, and so does New Jersey and Connecticut. So this legislation is great for the East. It's also great for the country. Uh, it, I think it is disastrous for the country, and I think the Republicans were fools to sign it. They, they, it shows just how 
politicians, it's that whole swamp, 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 and to not have any money for our border stand. Just really quick, you got to admit, the border is wide open. Don't you think it's obvious? For them to sit, I just played the comment from the press secretary, who still to this day says, oh, the border's not open. I mean, even Biden, you have him on record saying it's not open. You have Mayorkas over and over again saying it's not open. I mean, Stan, you have to concede the border has been a disaster and they are not doing anything to stop this enormous flow. I mean, come on. Go ahead, Stan. I'll get you to reply. I I have always... For the last 25 or 30 years, the border has been a disaster with all administrations. It wasn't that bad under, under Trump. Tell me, pass immigration reform and we have some. Nobody wants to pass it. The Republic. One last thing with it you mentioned, that most of these migrants coming in could be terrorists. I didn't say most of them, Stan. Don't put words in my mouth. Some of them are. And guess what? threat to the country. Guess what? Guess what? A lot of people would be. Yeah, go ahead. You seem to forget one thing. We've already had Americans who speak English and who aren't migrants who attacked our country to try to overthrow an election. These were American citizens, not migrants, not Spanish, and they all spoke English. So please, don't give me this phone. Oh, Stan, you know what, Stan? Everything you do is Trump, 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 January 6th. Trump, Trump, Trump. Do you like, say, I'll have like a Trump uh, bagel for breakfast or I'll have a Trump cereal bar for breakfast? I'll have a Trump coffee? Everything is Trump, 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 Trump. You know, it's not all back to Trump. And when Trump, by the way, on the border, he did a heck of a lot better job than this one. I mean, there is no doubt about that, Stan. Uh, You know, I mean, he was so much more effective on the border. And to sit there and make it sound like Biden and Trump are equal on the border, that is the definition of ridiculousness. I love you, Stan, but you cannot say with a straight face uh, that Trump was not so much, much, much better. Clearly he was. Even though you hate him, you got to admit that. Stan, I love you. Thanks for the call. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Stan's call of all things, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Isaac in Pennsylvania, line one. Isaac, your thoughts about uh, warm and fuzzy Stan. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I was going to say, I really want, uh, you know, of that stuff that Stan is smoking or drinking because he's clearly not out of his mind because he's commenting about a terrorist of January 6th, right? So what about the BLM terrorists? Yeah, that's a good point. And by the way, uh, in the next half hour, we're going to talk about some of the folks that were bailing them out, uh, a group that's now, by the way, being sued because people are just fed up that there was this recidivism. And over and over again, a lot of people that were repeating crimes over and over again during the summer of love where there was a lot of BLM. Um, but the issue with Stan, too, Stan just is equating those people who were storming the Capitol on January 6th. He's basically saying that they're 
like, you know, the people that would be on the terror watch list. Uh, and if you're on the terror watch list, you basically are an enormous threat to America. You maybe orchestrated uh, a bombing or played something, you know, had something to do with the worst of the worst. To me, that is an absolutely ridiculous statement by this guy. And obviously, you feel the same way. But I would like to know if Stan is, is like drinking some eggnog. It's got to be some good eggnog, don't you think, Isaac? Definitely, definitely. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we'll take yeah. two, right? I mean, whatever it is, it's some good stuff. Thank you very much. Let's go to Tony real quick. Line two. Tony, your thoughts about all this? Oh, yeah. First, I'd like to say Stan needs help. <laughs> There's something kind of lovable about Stan, you know? you know. I mean, you know, I'm not sure he's drinking some Kool Aid, but he's lovable. Yeah. Uh, why didn't the Republicans use before they signed this bill? They could have pressured the president to put, you know, the army on the border and fix the border. Otherwise, they didn't have to sign that bill. I agree. And, t- and Tony, and they I- tried to. Mike Lee, in fact, Senator Mike Lee tried to. And didn't really go anywhere. And how sad is that? And they should have had the guts, the cojones, to say, them we're not going to sign it. We're going to do a temporary thing so nobody is out of work or anything. But they didn't do it. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing every night here on the show, and I know so many of you love our men and women in the military and their families as much as I do, and that's why I love all of you so much. Um, A powerful story coming from Frederick, Oklahoma, uh, where some who have military backgrounds, others just have families with legacies of service, and some just came actually seeking a, a thrill and enjoying the moment. But all who came to the former Frederick Army Airfield wanted to keep history alive, and they did it to be high in the sky. Uh, this is taking place near a small southwest town, and there stands a large yellow airplane hangar, which was built all the way back in 1942, as the United States was propelled, as you know, obviously, into World War II. Today, the hangar houses a former U.S. Army Air Corps cargo plane. By the way, my father was rescued by a pilot who was flying for the U.S. Army Air Corps. So this is beautiful. I love this. Um, and twice a year, it is filled with men and women, this cargo plane, donning World War II paratrooper uniforms. It's a way to keep history alive and to remember what took place there. The hangar is home of the World War II Airborne Demonstration Team, and it's a group of service members, veterans, and civilians who conduct parachuting schools and aim to educate the public about military paratroopers and what they do. Uh, A retired U.S. Air Force lieutenant colonel who serves as the group's chief pilot says, it's keeping the legacy alive. We want to keep that knowledge base out there for future generations. In the mid-1990s, years after the commemorative Air Force was established, 
and military reenactment rose in popularity, a Vietnam veteran in McAllister, Oklahoma, teamed up with some friends to start a paratrooper school in his backyard. And the World War II Airborne Demonstration Team concept was then born. And the organizers say it is absolutely important, especially for young people, to understand the military. So when students and members work together and they learn and parachute actually together, as they do with this team, they develop friendships that continue even after the hangar doors close for the last time. It's one of those feelings you get when you walk into a great big boy's treehouse, as you can imagine, to do a jump like that. And he also further says that we have a responsibility to make sure that these guys are remembered, honored, and we serve them in the best way that we can. He said, as for jumping out of planes, he says that is the fun part. I jumped out of a plane once uh, with the Golden Knights at 13,500 feet. It was a tandem jump, so I can't sound too courageous. Um, but I think about all the times, especially our paratroopers, when they actually do it, they have like 100 pounds on their back. Um, it is like unbelievable what they jump out of planes with. And bravo. I love that this school is now teaching young people and old to appreciate those in the military service. We're talking about the border. Your thoughts about what a mess it is at our border. And I want to know, is Stan drinking eggnog or is he drinking something stronger? Because he seems to think uh, that terrorists on the terror watch list, people that are getting caught, uh, are about the same as those who were at the Capitol on January 6th, because everything with Trump is, everything with Stan is Trump and January 6th, just like most Democrats. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael, uh, line one. Michael, your thoughts about the border and uh, eggnog Stan. Go ahead. Well, I should say uh, the best Hanukkah gift that I got was not having Stan on the radio. Oh. Uh, he, yeah, he reminds me of the Gradchumwak song. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Remember that song, Gradchumwak? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Okay. But you know what, Michael, when we hear him, we only have to hear him for a few minutes. Imagine living with Stan. Having to hear that 24 hours a day, at least for us, it's, it's, it's brief, but it's also good. There's something I, I actually appreciate, Stan, because I appreciate everybody who calls in, no matter where the views are coming from. And I think it's important to hear from everybody. And occasionally I, I, I agree with him, but I would say it's 1% of the time. The other 99%, I do want to know what he's smoking. Um, but I agree with you on that. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for the call. Um, let's go to Raymond, line three. Raymond, go ahead. Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. I listen to you often. I've never called before. Um, I'm glad you called in. That's wonderful, Raymond. Thank you. This immigration situation, a lot of people are not talking about what it's doing to personal, on a personal level to people, for example, like me. I'm an Hispanic male. And uh, I have a, a degree even, you know, and I have trouble finding work. These people have flooded my neighborhood. Uh, they have had children. The children have grown up. They even some of them have college degrees. And they've kept compete, they have competed with me many times on that level. I'm also a person who's, uh, uh, who does all phases of home repair. I can't even find work in that area. At the moment, right now, I'm delivering pizza because I can't find work. And the restaurants are – they run the whole the entire restaurant. They learn the skill. 
They work hard. They don't work less than 12 hours a day. Americans probably wouldn't want to work that long. So this is great for the restaurateur. Uh, these guys have learned to do electrical and carpentry. Uh, they get lawyers right away, and they start paying to lawyers, and uh, they uh, they become citizens. I'm talking to one person whose son is also working in this restaurant that I work in, and uh, this kid uh, is the teachers are all over him. You know, they're this woke thing, and they already have it all set up. He has a year. Uh, this year, this academic year to finish, and then one more academic year, you'll graduate high school, and they're already getting him ready to go into this academy so he can become a state trooper. Most most immigrants come in, they take a dishwashing job, and their kids become taxi drivers, and little by little, they move up. These people are moving up in blink of an eye. Wow. As soon as they get their, their citizenship, they buy vehicles, they become landscaping companies, even Burger King is using them. It's amazing what this is doing to the American working person. That you know, Raymond, you know, you bring up a great point. The repercussions of it all, and and also, you know, the cycle because there are a lot of employers like you're talking about who turn a blind eye. They know they're hiring people illegally um, because in many cases they're cheaper, or like as you point out, sometimes they're doing the job that um, others don't want to do, um, or it, it, it's an economic decision, whatever it is. But you're right. And that is completely unfair at a time where there are a lot of Americans who are looking for work. Uh, they should be put at the front of the line before someone who is crossing illegally. I 1,000 percent agree. Great point, Raymond. Thank you. Really, really important. Uh, let's go to Tim. Line 7. Tim, your thoughts about all this. Hey, Rita. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Um, you I too. I love your show as always. Thank um, you. Okay. I want to talk about immigration, but real quick about Stan. Um, I, look, uh, Stan is right to be upset about January 6th. January 6th was one of the darkest days in American history when there was a terrorist attack on our capital, and the pre- the vice president of the United States was mere minutes away from being murdered, assassinated. So, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty upset about it. I think he has every right to be upset about it. Yeah, and by it. the way, and- by the way, January 6th was no shining moment. I agree with you. Um, on the other hand, Stan thinks like anybody who was at the Capitol basically should be charged with whatever. And there were a lot of people who went there because they supported President Trump that didn't go inside the Capitol. There were people that were let inside the Capitol. There are some people who are peacefully inside um, and, you know, or got caught up in the moment or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is. I'm not. There were some who did, obviously, you know, who were, you know, assaulting cops. I, I, I have no mercy for people like that that were doing that. Um, but, but there is a distinction. Everything with him goes back to January 6th. It's almost like this parroting of messaging that like all roads, any problem in the world is January 6th, according to Stan. That's what I took issue with Tim. Right, right. Um, well, anyhow, I, I, well, uh, regarding, um, immigration, um, look, uh, Biden, everyone can understand is a total unmitigated disaster. When it comes to our southern border, it, he's a joke. He's pathetic. Um, it, it, it's a, it, we're a laughing stock. But wh- I just want to mention what Greg Abbott did on Christmas Eve. For God's sakes, this is right out of Charles Dickens, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge kind of stuff to take these illegals and just drop them off on the side of the street in frigid, sub-freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve. For God's sakes, I mean. I'm as hardcore about being anti-illegal immigration as anybody, but that was just messed up. Should he have should he have taken them to a five star hotel and made sure they all had champagne and lobster? I mean, I, um, I you by know, the way, by, Christmas, 
by the way, I, I do hear what you're saying. I hear I, I don't like the fact that people are standing out in the cold. And I have sympathy for these migrants because, you know, America's a great place. I, I, I where I have a problem with is the fact that he is turning such a blind eye. Uh, and I'm talking about Biden, as you just agreed on our border. He's not doing anything to fix it. He could care less, Tim, of what's going on in the border. He's clearly like he wants this open sieve. And then the only time he has the audacity to even use the word border is when a, a Republican governor sends them, whether it's to Martha's Vineyard or Washington, D.C., then they're, quote, political pawns. Well, what do you think Americans are right now? Um, if he's so worried about the humanitarian crisis, why doesn't he have sympathy for the migrants who are doing, like, a very treacherous journey to get to America? Guess who's making money now? The cartels. Cartels have never made more money, and it's because of Biden's open border policy. And it is absolutely shameful. Let's go to Joe. Uh, line quick. Uh, line eight. Go ahead. Yeah, Rita? Yeah, pay Joe. Go ahead. Uh, listen. You know, I'm so tired of hearing everybody talking about the border when it but could have been done in two minutes flat to stop these people from coming. If this was Russia, what do you think Russia would have done if people were invading them the way they're invading our country? They would have started firing guns at them. That's what they would have done. Yeah, but the, you don't want to do that. I was going to say you can't do that. Let me finish. Yeah, 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 but but I got to stop you. I don't want people to think it's like a firing squad, but go ahead. No, 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 I'm I'm not saying that. But you could have put the fear of God in these people if you had the uh, the, uh, National Guard there and just fire over their heads. That's all they had to do. They would have stopped in their tracks. Nobody's using any common sense here. It's all a bunch of BS. And for one reason, money. Yeah, well, well, you're, the by money. the way, by the way, Joe, boy, you are hardcore. I mean, yeah, you know, I would not want someone to be firing above head because, you know, uh, someone's going to miss a shot. And that's not I talk about uh, being tough on them. But I do agree your point about sending a message because they have clearly gotten a message right now that the border is wide open. And that's why they're coming. They're talking to each other. They're getting the word. There's clearly no question about that. And they all tell their, hey, guess what? I got through real quick. Guess what? You can, too. And because of all of that, it has become a leaky open sieve. And it's important to check. You know, we don't want folks who are creating harm to our country. It's got to be vetted. And also, we just can't handle at what point do we say, why are we spending X amount of money, um, you know, 93 to 98,000 potentially on a single migrant when maybe we could be spending more money on community? What about crime fighting? That's another big issue. And speaking of crime, um, I want to talk with you all about this terrible story. There's a couple different things that have happened, and it's just heartbreaking as we're talking about the holidays and I do feel bad for people standing out in the cold. There's no question about that. Um, but one of the latest stories, there was a story, first off, about a Manhattan mother who was shot dead while walking to the supermarket with her son. This just came out a little bit ago. This happened today. Uh, crime is still obviously rampant in many major cities. Another case, this is of a repeat offender. And this story, it, it's just, it's like a broken record. What is going on? You, we hear Mayor Eric Adams saying that he wants to get tough on career criminals. It sounds good, but unless he puts pressure on Alvin Bragg, the DA, it's just talk, 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 talk. 
Case in point is this latest case. This is a violent ex-con. He is now behind bars, thank goodness. Um, and he was caught on videotape. Here's a little bit of a background. This is the NYPD chief of detectives talking about some of the things that they caught this person engaged in. Video outside captures our victim walking southbound on Avenue A. A male approached him, engaged in a dispute for approximately 20 seconds, then pulls out a knife and slashes our victim across the neck. Comes out, just randomly slashes somebody against the neck. Now, two people were killed. This guy just randomly sort of provoked a crime, also slashed, uh, again, it was a 51-year-old man in the East Village in New York earlier this month, stabbed two people at a bar in East Harlem, and then stabbed a beloved doctor uh, who just was walking in a park, came upon this guy that it was a day before the doctor's birthday. Talk about a heartbreaking story. And in this vicious slaying, it shows that they were like talking for like 20 seconds. Then he suddenly slashes the guy. It doesn't look like they had any you know contact or anything beforehand. And now we are clearly seeing this broken cycle. This guy had 20 arrests. What is going on with our judicial system that somebody who has a violent history of 20 arrests, what is it takes him going out on a killing spree on a holiday weekend where now two more people are dead and many more are also injured as a result of this crazy guy who never should have gotten out? And then when they busted the guy, he was driving the beloved doctor's car. Didn't sound like it was too hard to track him down. Here's a little bit more from the NYPD chief of detectives. Earlier on December 24th, detectives were able to track down our decedent's auto, a black Mercedes-Benz. It was in the vicinity of the park. It was in the vicinity of the park. And some good news on the front, and I want to get your take on this. There is a California bail reform group that was backed by a lot of A-list celebrities and a lot of others. It is now shut down because it is being sued because it was responsible for releasing a serial criminal who less than a week later tried to sadly murder a waiter there in California. So what's happening is now some people are going back to some of these bail reform groups, different groups that were supported by different individuals and who were helping to get these people out. Remember, we were talking about the BLM riots where people were getting busted and over and over again, they would literally say, hey, if you get caught, Call the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Call here. Here's the number, everybody. So people didn't care about it. They got busted. They didn't care because they knew right away that they were going to get bailed out and somebody was going to cover their bail. And now a group, a bail reform group in California has now closed its doors because they've realized that some of the people that they've let out in their little bail project to try to be criminal justice reform, guess what? They're ending up back out on the streets And they are now being sued because they were facilitating the person getting out. I want to play. This is cut 32. This is Kamala Harris, because remember, she was supporting the rioters. Remember back, you know, in 2020, she was endorsing the rioters. So could it open the door to other bail reform groups and other people who are supporting these rioters to somehow get named in suits? Here's Kamala Harris. Remember supporting the rioters back in 2020. I know that there are protests still happening in yes. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. 
And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to, they're not going to stop before election day in November and they're not going to stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not. So is it time to get tough on these bail reform groups that were just letting anybody out and groups that were even endorsed by Kamala Harris and others? I think they did a tremendous disservice to the American public, especially during the riots of 2020. And now at least one of them has closed its doors because they are now being named in lawsuits as facilitating these criminals. Criminals like, guess what? Like this crazy guy who is now out walking the streets. What do you make of all of this? And do you believe that Eric Adams, he says he wants to focus on career criminals. Is he genuine or is he all just blowing smoke? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show. I've hated these bail reform groups. I think some of them with good intentions, trying to help people who don't have money or whatever the case is. But they played an enormously destructive role, especially in the, quote, summer of love of 2020. And now one of these bail reform groups is closing its doors because it's being named in a lawsuit uh, because they helped get a guy who was out, uh, was a repeat offender. He got put in jail. They helped post a $3,000 bond, and six days later, he shot somebody 11 times. And now the family of the loved one is suing the group, too. I'm glad that they're holding some of these people accountable. You can't just let these people back out on the streets to terrorize everybody else. But remember, Kamala Harris says these groups are good, and she was a big supporter, by the way. Remember, bailing out all of those protesters in the summer of 2020, I couldn't believe she kept saying she even was like put out, hey, go to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. She was basically like their spokesperson almost. Remember this exchange with Kamala Harris and Don Lemon. Take a listen. Lindsay is reaching right now. If you're wondering what all this Pandora's box talk is about, this is a story. After the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis last spring, thousands of people, including Black Lives Matter supporters, took to the streets. Kamala Harris tweeted support for donations to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which helped people post bail if they were arrested while protesting. So let's set the record straight. There was no bailing out, right? Kamala Harris tweeted about a fund to help people post bail, which is entirely legal. Stop it, Lindsay. Stop it, Lindsay. Well, now some of these bail groups are getting sued because they have helped to facilitate this revolving door. And we just talked about the case in New York City where this violent ex-con that there are reports he had as many as 20 priors that now he is behind bars after slashing uh, multiple people, killing two of them just kind of randomly. Um, and let's hope that this guy never sees the light of day. What scares me? Is it's New York City and you've got a soft on crime uh, DA Alvin Bragg. What are your thoughts about how bad the situation is and how big of a role 
these soft on crime DAs and this revolving door. Maybe it's a sign people going after these bail groups that people have had enough. Let's go to Jerry. Line three. Jerry, your thoughts real quick. Well, it's a much huger problem, really. And I think immigration has hurt the black uh, community, African-American community, a lot over the years. Depressing wages and taking many funds that could be for plumbing, electrical, uh, carpentry training, uh, Class A and Class B licenses could go to them. When you look at the hundreds of billions of dollars on education, housing, health care that isn't spent on illegal immigrants or illegal. So what's what's the point about crime? The point about crime is that I think a lot of people wouldn't be in jail if they got all that uh, funding for carpentry, electricians, and other things. And that. No, that's a great point. Opportunity. Give Americans as much opportunity as possible. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.